Hi, everyone. Welcome to Humane Voices, the official podcast of the Humane Society of the United States. Gary and Austin here talking about some pretty awful news coming out of Wisconsin that's now picked up some national and international attention. For a bit of context, last year's administration's federal delisting rule, um, according to that, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service removed Endangered Species Act protections for gray wolves in the lower 48 states. So despite all the science that concludes wolves are, are, are really endangered, functionally extinct, this is threatening their populations that are just beginning to come back in major parts of the United States. So Carrie, we, we really wanted to talk about this today. Yeah, Austin, thanks for providing that context. It's one of those places where, you know, sometimes it's really hard to convey, you know, the impact on animals of laws and regulations. You know, it's, it's one of those places where you can get into some sort of really wonky categories, but this is a really great example or a great example or a terrible example is really more, um, yeah. more astute um, of, of a case where the way, you know, uh, endangered species protections are, are, regulated, assigned, really impacts animals directly. And so, yeah, we have some folks here who can speak to that in more depth. Absolutely. So today we're joined by two very special guests, Megan Nicholson, Wisconsin State Director, and Amanda White, Program Manager of the Wildlife Protection Department at the Humane Society of the United States. Thank you both so much for sitting down with us to chat with us today on this very timely and unfortunate episode and and news story here. So uh, thank you so much. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So um, let's start off. Why did the wolves lose their ESA uh, protections? What, was this an appropriate response? What happened? Can you give us a little bit more context here? So gray wolves were originally listed under the Endangered Species Act in the 1970s. Um, and since about 2003, the government has been repeatedly trying to take those protections away. Um, everywhere in the United States based on the sort of alleged progress they've made in certain areas. Um, so about a decade ago, Congress directed the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to remove Endangered Species Act protections for wolves in Montana and Idaho as a nod to agricultural and trophy hunting interests. And wolves in Wyoming lost their federal protections in 2017. So since then, we have seen um, wolf trophy hunting and traffic drastically expanded in that region um, each year. You know, in the vast majority of Wyoming, for example, um, wolves are classified as predators and are able to be killed on site anytime during the year. Um, in Idaho, a single person can kill up to 30 wolves. And then, you know, as far as the Great Lakes region, which is sort of the other core population of wolves, um, which is Michigan, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. Um, wolves there briefly lost their federal protections in 2011, and nearly 1,500 were killed um, over a few trophy hunting and trapping seasons. Um, that was stopped when our litigation seeking to restore those protections was successful in 2014. Um, but then in November of last year, as you mentioned, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service published the final rule that removed federal protections for wolves across the lower 48 states. Um, and that went into effect on January 4th of this year. So Amanda, help, help me understand, like, so when something like this happens, when the federal rule comes out like that, does that mean that it then is up to the states to make their own rules around how these animals will be managed? That's right, yeah. So then um, management of those animals goes to the state agencies. 
Mm -hmm. And just out of curiosity, like, do you see things in common between the states where wolves are most threatened? Like, are there certain things that are sort of in play in those states that makes them less inclined to be sort of friendlier towards our, like, native predators? Often, for some reason, you know, these state agencies seem to listen to the agricultural and trophy hunting and trapping interests, even though, you know, the majority of of residents in those states really don't want those wolves to be hunted or trapped. Now, Amanda, again, thank you very much for more of that context of what ended up happening. But for this most recent story, Megan, can you tell us what happened in the recent wolf hunt in Wisconsin? Yes, um, it's a it's a topic that I, I wish I wasn't here talking about this um, and meeting with you all right now in regards to what happened um, a little over two weeks ago. Um, actually, it was two weeks from today that it started. So what what really happened was was nothing less than a frenzied massacre on an iconic and ecologically important species um, that's native to Wisconsin. It's an animal that's treasured by many Wisconsinites across the state. It, it is considered sacred to the Ashinaabe, um, some of the tribes that are in Wisconsin. And in less than 60 hours, um, over 200 wolves were killed using really egregious methods, um, cruel body gripping traps, uh, strangling neck snares, and and packs of, of GPS colored hounds. In fact, the hounds took most of, the hound hunters are the ones that killed the most wolves out of that very short hunt in Wisconsin. Wow. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just wolves. It, well, uh, it was wolves, but also a large majority of female wolves. That's, it, this is breeding season, right? Correct. So we've, we've um, had a few hunts in the past. Um, in 2012, legislation was signed that interestingly enough mandates a wolf hunt um, we're the only state that does this. Uh, the wolf is the only species in our state that a hunt is mandated. Um, and it, it, it's never gone into breeding season. And so we, we have no idea what the long-term effects this will be. We also know that this is when they are doing the howl surveys and the, the tracking of wolves for the population management estimate for the next year. So that was also interrupted and almost half of were, were females. So Megan, I imagine that we must have been, you know, actively trying to make sure that this hunt didn't happen, you know, like, so when, when they, you know, when we kind of lost or lost that battle, hopefully we won't lose the war eventually, but um, like, what, what did that mean? Like, how did this all play out? You know, they, they opened the hunt and then, then what happened from there? So the HSUS and, and some other really great environmental um, support groups in Wisconsin, um, went to the DNR in um, the, be- the, the end of 2020 to, to state, you know, we, we hear that they're thinking of delisting the wolf. We feel that that rule is going to come into play, but our wolf hunt statute states that a wolf hunt must start on the first weekend in November. Mm-hmm. When this rule took place, it was in January when it took effect. And so we were, um, we sent a letter to the governor's office and, and to the DNR and the Natural Board of Resources saying, or Natural Resources Board, excuse me, saying that it would be unlawful to hold a hunt this late in the season because it doesn't follow the statute. Unfortunately, that was not mm. um, taken into consideration. It was brushed aside um, and the hunt went forward anyway. 
And what was the, it, it sounds like from the, from the news I've been reading, like the, the actual numbers that were taken by this hunt really shocked even people who, who probably wouldn't have been shocked by simply the fact of the hunt. Is that right? Yeah, it, it made national news. And, mm. you know, Wisconsin is now in the national news and even overseas and not for something that we should be proud of. Um, yeah. Hunters are even talking about how this is a disgrace. The quota was blown past. I mean, we went 82% over quota. 82%. That 90, 91 wolves, I believe it was, were were taken that should not have been taken. You know, we have seen quotas go over here and there, but this is shocking. Mm -hmm. This is shocking. And it has to do with um, the regu the way the state law is written. The DNR is required to give hunters a uh, 24 hour notice before they can close a, a zone, even when they see that the it's nearing quota or has gone over quota. And hunters, uh, trappers alike are not they don't have, they're not required to report that kill mm. until 24 hours. They have up to 24 hours to do that. So there's the lag, the huge lag was. Oh, wow. Um, they could, so they couldn't yes. even shut down the hunting zones immediately when they found that quota was happening. They had to wait 24 hours after 20. They have to post it um, and give notice for 24 hours before that can be closed. So even though they know they might even be over quota, that zone is still open for 24 hours. So what are, what are you seeing after the, after the hunt in terms of how people are reacting to this? I mean, the very fact that it was in the New York, in the New York Times is, is like, to me, it, it kind of speaks volumes about the degree, you know, because I mean, as animal advocates, we work a lot of the time to try mm -hmm. to make sure that our issues do get covered. I mean, but, but it's something like this, you're kind of wishing there wasn't anything to cover. Right. <laughs> right. I, 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 again, as I said, I wish this wasn't something that we were yeah. talking about um, because the initial plan for the DNR was to wait until November to hold that first hunt so they could gather input and, and you know, try and update our 21-year-old wolf management plan, which is based on absolutely science mm. that just, it's, it's not based on sound science, the best available science right now. So people are furious. They're mm -hmm. outraged. Um, they're heartbroken. And a lot, a lot of people are very, very concerned about the negative impacts that this hunt is going to have on the remaining wolf population, especially we, we have another hunt being planned already for November. That's eight months away. Um, you know, the killing of the pregnant wolves, the, the packs being destroyed, the young and the elderly wolves being left to fend for themselves. Um, no supportive family structure. We've never been through this before, so we don't know how this is going to affect um, wolves in years to come. So. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, one thing that I'm just, I'm really curious about, I mean, it seems to me that one of the great reasons for the need for federal legislation on something like this is the sort of, I mean, we can say that this is, you know, that states can do this, but animals don't recognize the end of a state. Like, you know, animals don't right. recognize boundaries like that. And so the idea that, you know, there's a certain number of, of wolves per state and that you can regulate based on, mm -hmm. and it just seems bizarre to me. It is, it is absolutely bizarre. Um, you know, even the first drafters of, of the, the original Wisconsin plan had stated that they didn't feel there should be a number placed on the amount of wolves we should have in a state. And the number that we're at is 350 is what the 21 plus year old state plan states that we should have for, for um, wolves in the state. And to put that in perspective, 
um, I believe we have around 30,000 black bear mm. in Wisconsin. So to say that, that our, our state can only, you know, a carrying capacity of 350 wolves is just, it's wow. ridiculous compared, you know, the, how many million cattle we have as well. And right. um, yeah. I won't even go down that path, but, but yeah, to put a number on it is, is really concerning. And to base the next hunt off that already outdated plan is even more concerning. And so I'm, I'm trying to understand too, um, uh, Amanda, it's, it seems like the, the U.S. Is, is consistently trying to, um, you know, create these laws, Megan, like you were talking about, that regulates the top predators. Is this, does this idea work? I mean, I feel like nature is continuously trying to find its own way to, to rebalance things here. And these laws, uh, I, I mean, in your opinion, uh, what's what's happening here? And and is that idea of 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 restricting them working? Yeah. So oftentimes, you know, trophy hunters and trappers are trying to justify their actions using these myths and misinformation that we hear over and over again. And the truth is, you know, wolves and, and other top predators regulate their own populations based on how much prey is available, how much habitat is available. Um, they're also incredibly, you know, territorial. They have very complex social structures. And so that plays a role into, you know, how many of them can be within a certain area. Um, and, you know, trophy hunters are also frequently claiming that these animals need to be, you know, managed by vilifying them as these voracious livestock predators. Um, but, you know, we've seen study after study has shown that trophy hunting does not alleviate conflicts. You know, randomly killing wolves is not going to alleviate conflicts on, you know, one farm. Um, and we also know that those conflicts are very rare. Um, to begin with. And um, not only that, but, you know, there are non-lethal methods of preventing conflicts that work extremely well. It always strikes me as such an irony in the United States that we are, we have, we're so hard on carnivores and, and in part to protect our own carnivorism. Mm -hmm. It's very strange. Mm -hmm. So is there fear that other states are going to be following Wisconsin and having these wolf hunts or has this created a, a large impact? Megan, you were saying that this uh, other hunters around the country have been a little bit shocked at what's happened here in Wisconsin. Yeah. So we have seen uh, in surrounding Great Lakes states, um, I'll, I'll talk about those. Amanda can um, approach the subject out west, but we've seen some bills pushed forward um, or introduced, I should say, that like in Michigan and Minnesota pushing to have a wolf hunt. Um, I've, I've heard of talk about allowing dogs in those states, which is absolutely controversial, not only cruel for for the wolves, but it's cruel for the dogs. It must be really um, dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. Um, and it's, you know, it's something that Wisconsin and, and other states are, are horrified by. We're the only state that allows dogs to hunt uh, with, or to, our dogs to hunt wolves. And it's, it's not fair chase. Uh, dogs are running through public land uh, miles ahead of their owners. They're GPS colored. They're tracked on a system. Um, and they'll run and run and run it going after their target and they can call dogs out and put new dogs in to, to replenish them. And they push them right into the targets of, of the, the waiting hunters. But going back to the States, you know, we don't, we don't want to set this precedence and have people, people follow in the, 
the unfortunate footsteps of Wisconsin legislature that put this through. Um, but we're hopeful that advocates are speaking up and people are seeing the horrors of this hunt and, and won't go down that path. So Amanda, I mean, maybe you can give us some sort of broader national context around this. Like, it, it sounds like, you know, wolves have been particularly targeted by this hunt, but, but are there other species where this sort of happens or is likely to happen in the coming months, years? Yeah, you know, when, when people think about trophy hunting, right, they tend to think of species in other countries, but hundreds of thousands of animals are trophy hunted right here in the U.S. every year. Um, not just wolves, but also, you know, mountain lions and bears, um, bobcats, um, you know, again, we're, we're defining trophy hunting as sort of a hunt where the primary motivation is for um, to obtain animal parts like the heads, the hides, the claws um, for display and for bragging rights or prizes, but not for food. Mm. Um, and so, like I said, we, we often see these species killed in huge numbers, um, both through the methods that Megan was talking about. The use of dogs is often used for mountain lions and bears, um, trapping, um, as well as wildlife killing contests as well for coyotes and foxes and bobcats. So Amanda, quick question for you. Is this <laughs> story, this case, is this something that people, is this likely to come up in other states, either for wolves or for other species? And if so, what can people do now? Um, because we know a lot of Americans are opposed to, to trophy hunting. So what can we do to help this issue? Yeah, we know in um, a lot of states where these species lived, there are, you know, whether at the, through the state legislature or the state agency, there are often efforts each year to expand that trophy hunting and trapping of them. And so it's important that, um, people who live in those states really follow what's going on in their state legislature and with the state agency, um, speak up at hearings on those bills or regulations. And a good way to keep informed of what's going on is to follow um, your state on Facebook, your state HSUS page. And um, you can keep up to date there with you know different efforts that we're working on and how to get involved. And Megan, are you seeing uh... On, on your front, are there actionable ways that um, volunteers and different constituents of Wisconsin are helping? Absolutely. Um, everybody's been very outspoken, which we're, you know, really appreciative to see. We've seen more um, constituents participating in the Natural Resources Board meetings. Uh, those are, you, you can attend those virtually, you can submit written comments, submit, um, you can make a public statement as well. And we've seen a lot of sharing of information um, that is factual and fact-based uh, through social media. And people are reaching out to their lawmakers left and right and having their voice heard that this does not represent Wisconsin values. And Act 169, which is our wolf hunting state law, um, is not something that we feel and constituents feel in Wisconsin should, should really be in place. Well, you guys, thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. I know it's just, in, you know, when I saw some of the stories coming out, it's just incredibly depressing. But thanks for the work you guys and many others are doing on it. Thanks for having us. We, um, we, we really appreciate you getting the word out in regards to what advocates can do. And, and I have to thank everybody in the, the Great Lakes states that have just been working really hard around the clock to make sure this doesn't happen again, or at least try. Yeah, thank you. 
Megan Nicholson, Wisconsin State Director, and Amanda White, Program Manager for the Wildlife Protection Department at the Humane Society of the United States. Thank you both again for sitting down to chat with us. That's all we have for today's show. To find out more about how we're fighting to protect wolves and end trophy hunting for good, you know where to find us, humanesociety.org. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Humane Voices.